3: All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here, as always, with Drew Dinsick. Today, Drew, we're going to talk Cardinals at a suddenly vaguely compelling Pittsburgh Steelers team. Panthers at Bucks. Bucks, No, not much going on there, but there are some angles into that game, I think. And then Broncos at Texans, which suddenly... Uh, I mean, it, it was so good that they literally flexed the game out of the 4 p.m. window because <laughs> they didn't want to distract from Niners-Eagles. So, we'll get yep. we to that one last. But let's start off with your Pittsburgh Steelers, who are five-and-a-half-point favorites home to the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Total is 41. Uh, How real do you think uh, the Steelers' offense is after what they showed against Cincy?
4: <sighs> this is a tough question. Um What they showed us again, since he didn't really, on the rewatch, didn't really feel all that different than Matt Canada's offense. (laughs) There's still sort of structural issues where it's relatively predictable when they're Doing when when it's a drop back, uh, the areas of the field that um, uh, Kenny Pickett is able to target, or willing to target, or interested in targeting, or where they're drawing up plays for the wide receivers are relatively predictable for coverage. Um, And the only kind of wrinkle that was a little bit different in that game from a lot of the other Kenny Pickett we've seen in 2023 so far is that he targeted Pat Firemuth 11 times, um, which is a lot. And uh, you know that that to me at least is um, uh, a bit of a potential to, to to change things uh, and give, you know, break open opportunities uh, for um, at least kind of creating space in the middle, you know, all around boundaries where Pickett wants to work with those wide receivers uh, if there is some threat over the middle. So um, that's about the only reel I can give you. What I can tell you is that just in general, uh, the Steelers have been playing better offensively. Um, three of their four best games of the season, uh, or three of their their three best games of the season were three of the last four weeks, uh, week nine, week ten, and uh, this last week against Cincinnati. And you know, it's not really to say that the Titans and the Packers' defenses are pushovers. The one, you know, negative game they had was against the the mighty Cleveland Browns at full strength, so on the road. Um, and so, I think if you take this relatively small sample of what we've seen from the Steelers recently, and you carry it forward, it's kind of good by today's NFL offensive standards. Uh, and I think that is uh, pretty important against the Cardinals defense that has made bad offenses at times look very good this season. Uh, and so this is a pretty interesting opportunity for the Steelers to continue their winning. Uh, and I think uh, even more than that, what was evident in the Steelers performance in getting to 400 yards last week, the firing of Matt Canada did do one thing pretty clearly, and that is sent a message to everybody on the offense. And just in terms of level of effort they were giving, because it felt like the Steelers played very hard like they left a lot of points on the field there were some unfortunate turnovers there was a lack of effort at times some looking squarely at deontay johnson who did not even go to recover a fumble that was bouncing around in front of them um but overall i thought uh you know the steelers offense showed you that they're at a minimum league average right now um and at full strength uh offensive lines doing a decent job uh running game certainly is providing that complimentary uh push to kind of you know you can't necessarily entirely key on the pass so um, I think there's a decent chance here that the Steelers have one of their better offensive outputs of the season against the Cardinals defense that uh really not playing for much. And then, you know, Cardinals offense was uh, very unimpressive last week against the Rams at home. Uh, could have been a stinker. Could be just issues that Cardinals have schematically matching up against anyone in division. Um, but I think uh, Steelers defense, you know, certainly is strong enough and is dynamic enough to really give Ky- Kyler Murray some uh, some difficulty here. If I had to play this game... At current price, there's a premium already on the Steelers, uh, largely because people have lost faith in the Cardinals after last week's performance. But um, one play and one play only, uh, weather permitting, I would look for an over 41 here. Because, you know, Ky- Kyler Murray scrambling around could give the Steelers a little bit of trouble on the ground. Um, and uh, while the running game's not going to get much going against the Steelers' defense up the middle of the field, uh, they definitely could work outside tackle. So... I would expect this one probably should be in the 43 range. uh, And uh, again, we'll be watching weather carefully here to see if this is a bet to the over.
3: Yeah, I think with the Steelers, uh, you have to opponent adjust a fair bit for just how insipid the Bengals' defense is, particularly without Cam Taylor-Britt, which hurt them, uh, and the defense has been trending the wrong way for a while now. But I do think a couple of things. One, Pickett's average depth of target was 8.5 yards. That's above average for uh, an offense that had been incredibly lacking in explosiveness and verticality. And then two, I think one sneaky thing about the Steelers this season is that Deontay Johnson was out for a long time Pat Frymuth was out for a long time when they have Johnson Frymuth and Pickens they have three legitimate weapons in the passing game like Frymuth is really good he's been a top 10 tight end by PFF grade the past two years seems like he's healthy uh, and he gives them that middle of the field that they haven't had previously and so I mean there's there are reasons to believe that Kenny Pickett can be good like he was decent at the end of his rookie season uh he has been terrible this year until the past month but i think there are reasons to believe that he may have turned the corner also their rushing attack now all of a sudden after I think back to that week two game against Cleveland where it was just comical, the lack of push that they were getting. Najee Harris just running into the line for one-yard losses against Miles Garrett and Co. And now they're able to run the ball. They've been really good running the ball for uh, almost a couple of months now. So that helps. And then on the defensive side, Minka Fitzpatrick is expected back at practice. I think when that... Defense is fully loaded. Uh, they're an above-average defense. They're not elite, but they're hovering around that, you know, edge of the top 10, I think. And if you pair that with what should approach an average offense, then all of a sudden you're looking at a halfway decent team. Uh, won't beat on the drum again. But I think if you like the Steelers in this game and you're bullish on the Steelers, The best way to bet them is to bet on Tomlin for coach of the year, which is still 16 to 1. I make them five to one fair to win the division, which you might think is like ridiculous because Baltimore's in that division. Like, look at Pittsburgh's schedule. Considering the what they did against Cincinnati, and maybe they won't do it against the real defense. Well, it doesn't really matter because they play Arizona, New England, (laughs) at Indy, and then home to Cincinnati again the next month. And then they close. At Seattle and at Baltimore, and that's probably mm-hmm. where they lose the division. But uh I mean I make it a 20% chance, and if there are a 20% chance to win the division, then Mike Tomlin uh is more than a six percent chance to win coach of the year if you're looking at that 16 to one. Uh quickly on the Cardinals side, I thought it was uh just kind of glaring exactly how bad their defense was against mm-hmm. the Rams, where they just seem to have no strength whatsoever. Where the Rams were with Kyron Williams just running all over them, Stafford was getting whatever he wanted through the air, then didn't really have to throw the second half. I mean, exactly is this the worst defense in the league? Where do you think this stands?
4: Uh, their bottom three. Yeah. They deserve consideration with the likes of the Chargers and the Lions. And um, you know, I don't think they had any three any of those three teams really kind of keyed to be this poor. Uh, this season. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, there were, I think, five games this year where the uh, Cardinals defense just a truly no showed. Um, the first one that I recall was the one against Cincinnati, where they conceded 34 points to an injured Joe Burrow, made him look like he was perfectly healthy. Uh, the next one that I definitely recall quite clearly, um, you know, they gave up 31 points to a Baltimore Ravens team that could barely complete a forward pass that day for whatever reason. It was just all on the ground. Gus. You know, Gus Edwards had three, three touchdowns or something sort in that game. Um, and uh, your point and then, yeah, the 27 point uh, conceding to uh, Deshaun Watson was uh, unbelievable as well. As we now know, Deshaun Watson had a realistically yeah, notable injury to his shoulder, played through it uh, and played quite well in that game, at least uh, to the tune of getting them to 27 points. So, um, yeah, if that's the way that you're going to line up and play against the teams that, uh, you know, need a get right spot offensively, then you're going to look pretty bad. And I think uh, that does set up well for the Steelers. Uh, to your point about the uh, the three threats, interesting to note, the three best plays for the Steelers on Sunday were all third downs. They were all passes, and it was to one of each of those players. Uh, yes. The yeah, you know, number the best player, third and eight in the fourth quarter. Uh, you had a 34 uh, 43 yard sorry, 43 yard pickup between uh, Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Uh, the uh, 29 yard pass to Pat Fryermuth in the uh, third quarter, or sorry, the first quarter was uh, huge for them in terms of keeping that drive going at third and 13. Uh, and then the second quarter, third and three pass between Kenny Pickett and Deontay Johnson, uh, for 39 yards. Like those, the fact that you had three explosive pass plays. That's something worth watching.
3: Yep, agreed. Okay, let's get to a game uh, where there will probably not be as many explosive pass plays in Panthers-Bucks. But firstly, Drew, it's a career first for Patrick Mahomes on Sunday Night Football. The reigning MVP will travel to Lambeau Field for the first time in his career when he takes on Jordan Love and the Packers. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock.
0: I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremfya (guselkumab)
1: is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection 6 times a year after 2 starter doses at week 0 and 4.
0: Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremfya may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches or cough, tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to
1: emerge as you learn more about Tremfya, including important safety information at or dot com or call one eight seven seven five seven eight three five two seven. See our ad in food and wine magazine for patients prescribed Tremfya. Cost support may be available.
2: Do you want a beautiful lawn?
3: Carolina, Tampa Bay, showdown in my favorite division in football. The glorious (laughs) NFC South, the Bucks are five-and-a-half-point favorites. The total is 37. Frank Reich is gone uh, mercilessly. Uh, The the Panthers at 1-10 and finally saying goodbye to Frank. Uh, Do you think there is any way into this game? Do you think the Panthers will be improved or different without Reich? What are you expecting here?
4: Yeah, I think... uh, Considering and contemplating this on the look ahead and when we saw an open before we knew the Frank Reich uh, firing took place, um, I was I had an appetite for Panthers. I thought the adjustment was pretty aggressive. Uh, definitely the Buccaneers injuries on defense seemed to matter last week. Um, and uh, then you get word that uh, you know, Baker Mayfield was getting an MRI on his ankle and you're like, oh, oh boy, this team's laying six points and this might be the Kyle Trash show. Let's, let's give this... Uh, you know some serious consideration here um, and ultimately it looks like Baker's going to go it looks like the Bucks are going to be a little bit healthier defensively here and I think that definitely should matter against the Panthers team that is playing fine defensive football right now but really still cannot get out of their own way on offense um, it's worth recounting that the Panthers went from uh, Frank Reich as the play caller to Thomas Brown for a hot second before Frank Reich took the play calls back and now presumably this is somehow Jim Caldwell's responsibility to coordinate the offense um, there have been more, you know, players let go, you know, coaches let go, excuse me, including, you know, Josh McCown. And uh, I mean, it's a it's a pretty, pretty uh, clear disaster in terms of what you're trying to do in developing a young quarterback and Bryce Young, who's having a horrible season so far. So um, at this point, I would look under potentially, and it's going to depend on the Buccaneers uh, defensive uh, injury report. Uh, I do think the Panthers have gotten some pretty important pieces, kind of. In the queue to return in the secondary, in particular with J.C. Horn uh, and uh, Jimmy Chin potentially coming back, and you know their their defense overall has played better out of the bye, I think, uh, and you know not great, obviously, but good enough to hold Baker Mayfield and company to 20ish points. That seems reasonable. So uh, under 37 and a half is probably going to be the way I attack this one. But I uh, need to get some information on Buccaneers. Some of the key defensive secondary players and their health. Jamel Dean is kind of the top of the list.
3: Yeah. No, they certainly have – I mean, we forget now, but, I mean, that game against Dallas was 17-10 in the second half. They didn't let that entirely get out of control until a bit later. I mean, they did beat Houston, which now looks like uh, a much better win in retrospect relative to how Houston were considered at the time. The Bears are improved until – I mean, it's Tyson Bajan, it's not a great – not a great performance to lose uh, to Tyson Bayesian, uh in any scenario, but I do think they have looked a little bit better out of the buy. And I thought Bryce Young, I mean, he wasn't good against Tennessee, but I thought he did look a little bit better, just mainly with his ability to scramble. Maybe that's what he needs to do more of to unlock something in this offense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's not a particularly inspiring team at the moment. Uh, the advice I would offer – uh, Dave Tapper is just never say CJ Stroud's name. Just do not say it because he gave this press conference where he's talking <laughs> about how the buck stops with me with not taking CJ Stroud effectively. It's like, Bryce Young's still on your team. You just used the number one pick on him. Stop talking about CJ Stroud. It doesn't do anything to utter that man's name aloud. Uh, it's just going to continue to break your team. Yeah. But I do yeah. think with the coaching change, like maybe it will – like. When stuff like this happens i think it just naturally creates more variance because it's just you know it's a new it's a, it's an altered ecosystem and so i think with props in particular that can help so stuff like you know i've been eyeing off jonathan mingo for like two months now because this guy is a starting wide receiver in the nfl and he plays all of the snaps and his receiving yards are always set like 28 and a half It's like, can a starting wide receiver really be set at 28 and a half when he plays all the snaps and his team is losing all the time and he's always in positive game script? I think he's gone under seven of the 10 weeks and he can go under because Bryce Young has just been terrible. But it's stuff like that. Like, are they going to actually use Mingo a bit more now? After they he did have a good game last week and Thielen did nothing. So... That's the type of stuff that I would target, like alternate overs on Jonathan Mingo and that type of thing. We don't have references out in the market, but I suspect that that kind of stuff will open a little bit low. Uh, anything else on this game?
4: Well, I'd like to kind of comment on your note about the, uh, the Tepper press conference, which was just a hot mess in all respects. <laughs> like You go out there after firing another coach, you absolutely have to own the bad decisions on the coaching not the quarterback. Like, that was exactly the wrong kind of tactical approach about how you wanted to communicate to your team and the world who you're going to try to now find another coaching candidate to develop this player. Like, he needed to be very clear. This is on me for the decision-making I did in terms of putting the coaching staff together. Like, you're going to pay Frank Reich. You can throw, absolutely throw him under the bus and own your decision to hire him as a mistake. Like you need to now kind of very clearly send a message to any potential candidate that you understand and will have learned from your mistakes in the coach hiring process. And next guy is going to be around for 10 years and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and you definitely did not need to continue to chip away at the confidence of Bryce Young. That was a uh, pretty, uh pretty poor decision-making. I just want to kind of um, push back on one other thing. Cause I just surprised by it, but Panthers aren't even the worst offense in the NFL. <laughs> Jets and the uh, Giants have that uh, clear distinction so far. And uh, <laughs> Patriots knocking on the door. Raiders knocking on the door, weirdly. Brown's kind of in the mix there. Uh, there's a lot of bad offenses in the NFL. That said, the Panthers have only, only had three weeks this year where they have generated positive EPA as an offense. Week three against the Seahawks. Week five against the Lions. And week six against the Miami Dolphins, who, of course, are not in their current state in terms of healthy bodies. So... That's three weeks that were a while ago, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, maybe the results are looking a little bit better. But I think it's because the defense. I don't think it's because of the offense. And I really don't know how you explain how poorly uh, you know they played overall against Tennessee uh, last week. That was uh, Tennessee was Tennessee does not look like they're trying to win games to me. So uh, the, the fact, fact that, that I lost that one was pretty. That cool. game was an abomination. Uh, yeah. uh, Titans, <laughs> it was just zero
3: compelling about it at all. And I agree, Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee are home dogs to the Colts, uh, who are likely missing Jonathan Taylor and uh, aren't very good in the first place. So that's where they're at. Uh, at
4: the there, was, there was one thing compelling about that game. There was a lot of the pre-draft process where it was bandied about who of these four quarterbacks is the best future pro. Right. Two of the four were Bryce Young and Will Levis. And holding them up to CJ Stroud and the way he has performed so far this year is not close. <laughs>
3: No, it's, it's, it's not good uh, at all. I think, I mean, Levis has looked better than Young. Uh, I don't think, Levis hasn't looked great. I mean, he looked fantastic that first, basically that first game and a half. And then since then, it's not been very good for Will Levis. The Bucs game was ugly. So he's a little bit better against the Panthers, albeit not going up against much. All right, before we get to suddenly super compelling Broncos at Texans game, Drew, if you want more Formula One after the recent Grand Prix in Vegas, check out CNBC's special podcast series, Inside Track, The Business of Formula One. An inside look at what's fueling F1's popularity and who is profiting. Hear from the biggest names in the game, the league's CEOs, and the million-dollar packages rolled out for the most elite fans. You can listen by following the Squawk on the Street podcast wherever you download and subscribe. I am subscribing, Drew, to the Houston Texans, who are three-and-a-half-point favourites, home to Denver. Mm-hmm. The total is 47. Uh, I'm not sure I'm subscribing to them at minus three-and-a-half. We'll get to that. What is interesting to me about this, and I understand that you know a team's rating fluctuates week to week and there are other factors like rest and travel, obviously, but it's interesting trying to reconcile, even with that, the fact that the Texans are three-and-a-half-point favourites, home to the Broncos, after being one and a half point dogs home to Jacksonville, which is seems like a massive gap between Jacksonville and Denver. So how do you think that works? Do you think that the Jags are just uh, really, really good and super respected by the market? Or do you think that the market believes that the Broncos are just fake?
4: The, definitely the later, latter. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I think the uh, Texans opener at three uh, left a lot of people who were – Pro Texans, a little bit cool. Like, oh, I'm not going to get a two and a half here. We're going to have to late three if we want to back, you know, back Stroud this week. That's kind of a bummer. Um, but then there are other bettors in the space who have been desperately waiting for an opportunity to bet against the Broncos. And a spot on the road against an elite quarterback is one of those opportunities. And so that's why you saw an influx of Texans money pushed it to three and a half. Because this is not a trivial. Um, move whatsoever. This was, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, this is professionally influenced, obviously. Um, And I I get it. I agree with it. I think there are still ways to attack this particular market. If you believe that the Broncos are a sell high right now, here's what I really have trouble squaring. And I know that the offensive generic, Points favored, defensive generic points favored on unpredictable are not an exact science. Like it's but it's at least a systematic process the way they come up with these. They right now have the Broncos as the 16th best offense in the NFL, which I find to be wildly inaccurate. And they have them as the 24th best defense, which I also think is wrong. I think the Broncos defense it's is what's flipped. carrying this unit. That's flipped. Yeah, exactly. And so that should open up a door here for an under 47 potentially. Uh, the thing about the Broncos defense that – and the only reason I haven't played it, the only reason I haven't uh, you know, taken any action on this game yet uh, is the Texans have so many different weapons they can hurt you with. You know, They don't, they don't rely on a Justin Jefferson game-breaker type Right. Like they can hurt you in multiple different ways. Sometimes it's uh you know, you don't really know where it's coming from. And the Broncos really have Patrick Sertan who can take away your take away your Garrett Wilson, take away your Justin Jefferson, right? And then, you know, go beat us with your second, third, and fourth options. And if that's the way the Texans is, you know, are asked to do in this game and do it without Nico Collins, for instance. So, I think they could probably do it so i get it texans should be favored here this is a sell high on the broncos as as a a team that has been um they have been gifted some of the most phenomenally positive field positions and turnover luck in the last six weeks and that's not sustainable we know this to, through and through that fumble luck is not something you can count on week over week year over year and i think this is people looking for an opportunity to capitalize on that cuz you know outside of the fumble luck and the field position stuff the broncos have just been kicking field goals yeah
3: and i think it's it's a, just a bizarrely conservative offense at the moment think thinking back particularly to that game at Buffalo where they just refused to give the ball to Russell Wilson. They were content just to run the ball into the line with Javonte Williams. Uh, and I think a lot of these results in retrospect, well, some of them, like only beating Minnesota by one and looking at how Josh Dobbs looked against the Bears and what he was able to do for large chunks of that game against Denver. Like I think this defense is fine and respectable, but I don't think it's a top 10 unit. And I think the offense is uh, clearly below average and to me I think this is the market maybe for the first time really just acknowledging exactly how good Stroud is and I think I was probably a little bit slow coming around to Stroud maybe because I just watched a lot of uh, Baltimore Houston in week one where Stroud just wasn't very good at all but his first game of his career against the Ravens defense and now I mean I think the best quarterback in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes <laughs> I think the second best quarterback is Josh Allen if we take Burrow out with his injury I'm not sure anyone else is demonstrably better than CJ Stroud the way he's playing at the moment. Just the his relief. The well, if you were, you want to talk Brock Purdy? I'm just talking yes. about, <laughs> oh, yeah, Purdy's having a better season. Though. Okay. okay. A better season, but just in terms okay. of like if, if I could have a quarterback just uh, context independent in a game tomorrow, okay, like it would be. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Stroud is, you know, substantially better than. Jalen Hurts or Prescott (laughs) or Lamar. I'm just saying I think he's in that kind of zone now. He's like, right, the way he's playing, the release, the accuracy, the way he's scrambling at the moment. Uh, I mean, the scrambling is the thing. and He never really did that at Ohio State outside of the game against Georgia where it kind of changed the game a little bit, his scrambling ability. But the fact that he's kind of weaving that in now and he's really quick uh, and it's kind of Mahomes-esque in a way, the way he does scramble. I mean – do you think it's unreasonable to have Stroud kind of as a top five quarterback in the NFL?
4: No, <clears throat> I don't at all. And um, there, are, it cuts two ways when you are this young in your career, right? Like no one has really solved him yet. Yeah. You know, and that could come. Uh, but he also is going to continue to learn and grow in the position. It's clear that the coaching staff didn't really know how to utilize him early in the season. Right. It and if you're you know, this is this could be the stuff of you know, legend making, myth, myth building, whatever. But you know, kind of giving him credit for going to the coaching staff and being like, hey, you know, give it give me a shot here. Um, more more passing, let's go. Uh take take the training wheels off. Like, if that's to be believed, like this guy's the guy you want to go to war with, certainly. Uh and I think um, you know, m- even more so than just kind of looking at this particular matchup as uh Russell Wilson. <sighs> Oh, my God. Some of the tweets flying around about Russell Wilson. Like, uh, to say that he is overrated right now is like an understatement of the week. <laughs> like, he is super, super overrated. That Bills game, they were up against a dead on arrival defense. They got four turnovers, managed 24 points. Like, it was that, they, they, this this run of success that they've had as a team winning um, their last five games, like, It still is clearly to me a bottom 10 offense in the NFL and Russell Wilson and the way that they are coaching him and what they're asking him to do, I think communicates a lot. Sean Payton's not an idiot. If he knew Russell Wilson was capable of going out there and being the guy, you know, from 2018, he would ask him to do it. and He's not. And I think that sells a lot. So um, CJ Stroud being clearly the better quarterback in this con- in this particular contest, I think is clear. Um, and I very much hope he uh, finds his way into the playoff mix because I'd like to see him get uh, some playoff experience and continue to grow and develop and evolve because makes for better and more entertaining football.
3: Yep. I think, look, I think Wilson has gone from the... 24th best quarterback in the league to like the 16th best quarterback in the league. Like, congratulations, Russ. You've got a quarter billion dollar contract.
4: And not because he went up, but because other guys have fallen apart. Yeah. Yeah. He's just
3: been fine. Like, he's not actively hurting them. He's a slight positive, I think, overall. But yeah, the idea that Russ is bad. Like, Russ is... They've confiscated the chef's hat. No one is letting Russ cook. <laughs> this is very much Russ. You follow the recipe step by step, and if you try and do anything different, uh, you're going in the naughty room. Like he just doesn't get to do anything really in this offense. The one thing I think, the other thing I'll say about Stroud and the reason why he's probably not quite there with the absolute elite of the elite uh, is that he does take some bad sacks, and he took some really bad sacks against Jacksonville. Like he got sacked four times for. 43 yards. <laughs> That's a lot of yards to lose the sacks. And, you know, that makes sense as a young quarterback. But, yeah, he is he is someone who is going to be uh, very short in MVP odds coming into the season <laughs> for the next, uh, the next decade. Yeah. Um,
4: also so. kind of worth, worth noting that the Texans were right there in that game against the Jags. They oh, did they not get left. it they did not get a favorable whistle. Right. <laughs> I, know we're, I know it's flags, but they did not get a favorable call in that game. And uh, they were inches away from sending that thing to overtime. So, um, yeah, it was close. And, I, you know, in the same way that I, I get it, he, like he does need more, a little bit more pocket awareness at end-of-game situations especially. But um, the way that Josh Allen specifically leveled up at the end, yeah. this is Josh Allen, the pass rusher for the Jags, like that was actually more of the takeaway, I thought, than yeah. worrying about Stroud's ability to to see and feel pro.
3: Yep. No, he's uh he is uh, he is something and yeah, certainly didn't see this coming uh before the season. I mean, it's the greatest rookie season of all time. Uh I would imagine. I've I'm gone through every rookie season, but I can't imagine anyone who's played at a higher level than Stroud, um, certainly at the quarterback position. So yeah, he is, uh, he is the guy and the market is clearly respects him as a three and a half point favorite now. Uh, futures wise, I don't think there's really a compelling way to bet these teams at the moment. Uh, I think that there's a lot of Sean Payton, Coach of the Year buzz. We spoke about that a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, I just don't see it at all uh for sean payton i mean if he runs the slate then i can get there but i don't think he's going to run the slate and if he even has one loss the bubble gets deflated a little bit and even for them to go four and two down the stretch would be quite uh difficult their schedule even just the next three weeks at houston at los angeles uh, the Chargers, at detroit and then they have another game against the Chargers. Like, they're going to be dogs in all of these games, uh, and I think justifiably so. So I suspect what will happen is that Peyton's just going to go one and two the next three weeks, and the Broncos will be kind of fighting for the edge of the playoffs. D'Amico, I don't really get it at the current price point now that the division is totally gone. He can absolutely still win without the division if he goes 11 and six or so, but to me, he is just like right back in the pool with guys like, uh, Steichen and even Sirianni and Tomlin um, and McDaniel and these guys who are probably just behind Dan Campbell. So I don't think there's much compelling on that front either. Um, do either Ryans, who's in the four-to-one range in the market, or Peyton, uh, like 15-to-one range, of those compelling to you or are you off them?
4: Yeah, I ran my uh, season-long Sims for the rest of the season. Yeah. I was blown away the fat tail of the texans winning out okay
3: interesting that is, it is very real yeah i mean i've got it uh just under 14 to 1 which is kind of glaring stunningly short uh for a team that is six and five to go six and oh but their schedule is incredibly easier they've got, got these breaks because they play houston and the jet oh uh, sorry they play um like Cleveland and the Jets, and those games do not look nearly as imposing as they would have been Correct. even three weeks ago, to be honest. Yeah. If it's going to be Tim Boyle, who is, I think, a pretty sizable downgrade from Zach Wilson, which is um, sizable. Yeah. So that's, and then they have these two games against Tennessee, which Tennessee might be like the 29th best team in the league at the moment. Yeah. So if they can get through this one, uh, and I suspect they yeah. probably will, then all of a sudden, yeah, they're they're right back in the mix.
4: Yeah, and I mean, you know, the the you you know you can kind of sense it if they have that momentum heading into the playoffs as a six seed even and without winning the AFC South, um, you know, a six game winning streak people are going to take notice.
3: Yep, I mean, I think a lot of uh, different markets could come down to the last game of the season, which is uh, Houston at Indianapolis. Like that could be that could be winning in for the playoffs. It could be coach of the year ramifications around that. Um, so again. Who would have thought those two teams uh, before the season have a compelling Week 18 matchup against each other? All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. And a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music, just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. I'm Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you soon.